Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is Tuesday, March 29th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am joined by national recruiting analyst and our soccer correspondent, Ryan <laughs> Doan, who is one step closer to Qatar. <laughs> that I am. And I think you mixed it up. I'm your soccer correspondent who's also like a national recruiting analyst. I think I think that's how we need to uh, discuss this. But hey, I was at Baltimore Under Armour, went there. It was great. Had a great day in 35 degree weather. If they weren't having a camp that day, I would have been down in Orlando at that game because Lord knows the next time they're going to play a qualifier that important on home. That- Probably <laughs> never. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to discuss. The Under Armour camp. Oh, I thought now. you said, I thought you're going to say we're here to discuss soccer. I was like, let's go. <laughs> uh, no, as the listener knows, whenever Brian Doan is on the podcast, he's going to get his minute, minute and a half to air out his grievances, to talk a little soccer, talk a little footy. <laughs> wait, wait. I don't have grievances when you win 5-1 and you have some really pretty goals. Well, you know, that, 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 listen, that header it. by Ariola was great. Let me say that. Let, let, but I still don't like Berhalter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's not spoil it. I, I do want to give you the stage later on in the show before we sign okay. off. Okay. Uh, before, All right. Before we talk a little Costa Rica, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the final qualifier at the end of the show, but let's start. All right. That's called Baltimore. the tease, folks. That's called yeah, the tease. Yeah. Let, let's tease it. Uh, let's talk a little Baltimore. So we've done <laughs> on this show in the past, there was top stops in Miami. There was a stop in Southern California. We did Ohio last week with Alan True. The, the talent in the uh, Under Armour Camp Series stop in Baltimore uh, was was decent. I don't know if it was as loaded as maybe the other stops that that this event has taken place in the in the national scope, but the the weather didn't really help things either, Brian. Well, I mean, you know, as we tape this Monday when it's 26 degrees out and just got done snowing a little bit, uh, it was balmy compared, you know, on Sunday where it was 39 with the wind constantly blowing 15 to 20 with gusts up to 35 and it flurrying for most of the day. So it was, it was nice, but listen, it's tough. Two things about this part of the country. We don't really do seven on sevens very much. And we really like to go visit schools, especially in the spring. And so there were a lot of kids. I mean, look, Jordan Seaton is a top 100 offensive lineman for us in the 24 class. And his choice was come to this camp or go to Oklahoma. Um, he's at an Under Armour school at St. John's, so you would think that for the 24 game, he'll get in anyway. He doesn't need to prove much. You know, John Miel Lines, a kid from Philadelphia, he wanted to get out and see Pitt as they move forward with their recruitment. So he went there instead of Under Armour. I can't fault kids for going and making visits. I mean, at the end of the day, they're trying to figure out where they're going to school and build relationships. So it's just a different mindset in this part of the country. I'm not saying right or wrong. 
I'm just saying it's different. Yeah, a lot of recruiting buzz coming over from the, this event, and you can check all of it over at 247sports.com. But we are going to get into some specific recruitments. Let's start off with Neo Avery, Brian. What what was the the lowdown on Neo? He has a, a few crystal balls over to Penn State. Do the Nittany Lions still look good for that top 24-7 defensive edge? Well, I mean... It's there because um, I don't think right now we support Cloudy. Um, so, you know, he was committed there. He decommitted. This is a kid who in the summer was really close to committing to Georgia as a tight end. Um, word started to kind of get around in, in recruiting circles that it may be Georgia and some other schools moved in. And, you know, all of a sudden, fast forward six months, he commits to Penn State. Well, while we were down at the Under Armour game down in Florida, he did that uh, New Year's Eve commitment. And so... Even after that, a bunch of schools stayed in contact with him. He suffered a knee injury playing basketball. Should be ready for the start of his season, he told me, in the fall. But, you know, schools stayed in contact, and they're like, hey, listen, between the pandemic, you used to play AAU basketball. Then you had your season in the fall where you didn't get to go out and visit a lot of places. Then you kind of committed to Penn State quickly. A lot of schools still wanted to have a shot at him. Again, he's a great athlete. He started his career as a quarterback. I saw him play as an edge rusher and a little bit as a, as a tight end in the, um, their conference to WCAC, their title game against St. John's, and really explosive. And, you know, that ends in late November, and he makes a visit or two, and then he's committed to Penn State. So a lot of schools wanted to get on him. You know, and he told me Kentucky, Miami, Ole Miss, USC are places he, you know, he wants to visit. Um, he, he still is very interested in Penn State, but he wanted to take a step back and say, hey, you know, let me let me make sure I'm making the right decision. Let me see what else is out there. Yeah, I think at this point, especially those early commitments, right? The 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 players that came off the board fairly early in this 2023 class, heading into the spring eval period with official visits looming, uh, I, I think a lot of them realized that they start to have to kind of narrow things down a little bit more again. Uh, and you obviously have the the dwindling roster sizes in terms of scholarship allotment. The transfer portal is a big factor now in in recruiting, and it's not only accelerated the official visits but then you have early signing period. There's so many different things here to, to figure out, but it does sound like Neo Avery has some momentum. You mentioned it, right? He has a, a couple offers recently from Miami and USC, two beachy cities in, in, in a way, uh, and, and kind of attractive places with new head coaches. Do you get any sense that, that those two schools are legitimate and, and, and you know potential landing spots for a, pro, a, a prospect like Neo Avery? Yeah, they, they are. A, you have two two new coaches there with new coaching staff. So there's excitement about what they're doing. And because you can rebuild it quicker, it's not like, hey, do you want to become part of a three or four year real rebuilding process? There's that aspect of it. Look, again, we're talking USC with Caleb Williams, who, you know, he, his school is maybe a half hour he went to he went to Gonzaga in DC, maybe a half hour, thirty five minutes from where Neo Avery plays at Good Council, which is kind of southwest of Baltimore. So there's a connection there. But I mean, Mario Cristobal, you knew what he could do recruiting wise um, at Oregon. Shoot, when he was an assistant at Alabama, where you know he he's been able to recruit well. He's got a, a, a really good staff. I know that the D line coach who's from Oregon, who who you probably know, Coach Joe, and I'm not going to butcher his last name. I out love of respect that. to him. Okay, I figured you would know it from dealing with it so much in Oregon. And then, uh, you know, he's he's a really good recruiter because I remember him recruiting kids in the East while he was at Oregon and, and kids love talking to him. And then there's Neo Avery. You know, you talk about the transfer portal and all that stuff. Listen, man, the transfer portal does not impact kids like Neo Avery. Okay. He's 6'5". He's 230. 
He is incredibly athletic, great explosion, just learning how to play defensive end or edge. So he's going to be able to figure out where he wants to go. And it's not going to be like, oh, your options are a little limited because we're looking at the portal. No, man, these are the kids that go and you know play early in their career. And, and you expect them to be really good, almost dominant players at the college level because of the position. Yeah, so from that edge to uh, another defensive lineman, that would be Deshaun Womack. He was also there, and he's been pretty busy. Brian, recently taking visits to Ole Miss, Maryland, and Michigan. Uh, expected to get out to LSU later this week. Uh, Penn State, we mentioned them with with Avery. Uh, so- sounds like he wants to get out there next month as well. What's your vibe on, on Deshaun Womack and kind of what he's been thinking right now with the process? Yeah, and, and I think Deshaun's a lot like Neo, just in terms of, you know, similar size with length. You know, Deshaun maybe has a little more more flexibility if you want to bulk him up and move him inside, but he's quick, he's athletic, and and he's a guy that can go get the quarterback. So obviously he's the premium position. Look at going down to LSU is huge. Going to see what they're trying to do there with Brian Kelly. Um, he wants to see, you know, we spoke about it on Sunday. He wants to see, you know, how the defense is run and, and what the plans are for him. Jordan Tolls is down there who played at St. Francis a few years ago. So there there should be some familiarity there. He already visited Ole Miss. He was at Michigan, and the thing with Michigan is one of the guys on staff at Michigan is Biff Poggi, who used to be the head coach at St. Francis. You know, he he well-known guy in the in the Baltimore DMV area who was at Gilman School, which is a big-time school, went to Michigan, then came back and, and took the head coaching job at St. Francis and really did a good job of, you know, building that program and, and you know, making sure that they were set financially at that school. And now he's back at Michigan, which is the connection with Womack. And so I, I you know, I look at that and I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic. But look, man, I'm not going to lie you know, Maryland's the one that sits there and you wonder what's going to happen with Womack and Maryland and, and a lot of kids with St. Francis and Maryland because you had in the 22 class, Jay Sean Barham was committed to South Carolina, committed but to Saturday. He? Yeah, was he? Well, let's put it this way. He announced he committed to South Carolina. Then, you know, what is it? Five days later, he did it on a Saturday. So Wednesday, he signs with Maryland. And then when he's out at the Polynesian Bowl, he tells the guys from 24-7 out there covering that it was a Penn State-Maryland decision. And it was like South Carolina wasn't even in, in the mix. And then yet Andre Roy, who was committed to Penn State, who visited USC right before signing day. USC feels really good. And all of a sudden, bang, he pops up at you know signing with Maryland. So Maryland's there with Coach Loxley and, and you know, kind of a relationship building there, you know, kind of a pipeline. There's a lot of St. Francis kids there now. So, you know, when you look and you see Deshaun Walmack's making all these visits and you know Maryland's in the picture, let's see where this winds up on what is it, that third Wednesday in December. Because I think for a long time you're going to be turning and looking. And also, you know, it's just me, Derek Moore, um, who was one time committed to Oklahoma from St. Francis, he did wind up going to Michigan, signing with Michigan. So there's a lot of different connections with Womack that'll make it interesting even after he makes a decision if that comes in the summer. So Brian, what you're saying is look out for the for the head fakes, right? The pump, the pump fakes, all that stuff. Deshaun Womack, we're on to you. We're we're keeping an eye on you in the 2023 class. <laughs> uh, a a yeah. top 150 defensive lineman from uh, St. Francis there in in Baltimore. Uh, Sidir, is it Sidir? Mitchell Sadir. Sadir. Sadir Mitchell, another big defensive lineman, listed at 6'5, 350. So yeah, that's about right. An, when you go out to an event like this, even with the side rain and the mist that's hitting your face, it's hard to miss and open your eyes and see a, a player of his size. Uh, what was it like to, to catch up with him and what's what's the latest with his recruitment? 
Yeah, it's good. You know, he's a kid that I remember watching as a freshman and he was absolutely outstanding and, and he's done a good job in, in trying to uh, reshape his body a little bit. You know, it looks good, nimble, carries it well, if you know, however we want to say that. But, you know, he, he made a recent visit to Wisconsin and he made a recent one to Georgia. And everybody I talked to, Georgia is the team to beat right now. They love him, you know, playing on the nose. He's a guy that at point of attack will be very hard to move. He can bend. He can take on blocks. Uh, he's good with his hands. He kind of fits what Georgia wants to do defensively, I think. And, and I think it's a lo- it's really easy because it's Georgia to sit there and say, well, geez, he's, he's going to wind up at Georgia. And maybe he does. I mean, we'll see. But his school plays on Saturdays, right? Bergen Catholic. And for people that don't know, New Jersey high schools... Half of them play on Saturdays, afternoon games a lot of times. Um, a lot, you know, half will play Fridays, but half of them play Saturdays, which means they can't make visits during the season. And Sadir was in that camp. He, he couldn't really go anywhere in the fall. So he's going to be at Auburn on April 2nd, A&M on the 9th, Miami on the 12th. He's supposed to go back into Texas and go to Texas on April 14th. And then he also told me that he scheduled one for Kentucky on the 23rd of April. He's still heavily involved with Rutgers, who has a new D-line coach in Marquise Watson, who was at Old Miss. He's a Jersey guy who is a really good recruiter, connects really well with kids. Keep an eye on that. And then Sadir also picked up an LSU offer recently, and he wants to go down and check out LSU. And he's going to get through April. And then I could see him scheduling some officials for May and June. And then we'll see where we stand in late June or early July. You know, and for those that follow it, Ole Miss went to his school last year and got a, a dual sport kid in Taiwan Malone who played football and baseball. And I think he homered in his first game for Ole Miss down there this spring. And so he's he knows the process. You know, that school produces a ton of kids. So he's going to take his time through the spring, make a bunch of visits, and let's see where we stand in early July. A lot of travel coming up for Sidir Mitchell. Yeah, and he has to, Blair. Yeah, I was going to say, Blair, he has to because, again, man, you can't, you know, you're playing one o'clock games on Saturdays in the fall. Man, there's there's not a lot of room to go visit and, places. And I was going to say, a lot of travel. Hopefully, no middle seats for our guy. Six five three fifty. I mean, he, he's uh, for sure uh, an aisle guy. I would hope so. I mean, I know how I am at, you know, 6'3 and let's say 180. You know, let's humor me. I couldn't do it at that length. Are you in the middle? Are you kidding me? Those poor people next to me. I'll see it all the way. Said your 180. Did you like that, Blair? 180. Hey, I, I, I wasn't going to acknowledge it. I was just going to ignore you the whole way through. So <laughs> Sounds we'll, like my we'll wife. Just... <laughs> all right. So that was some recruiting buzz, but we're going to get into the Alpha Dog, the top performer at the Under Armour Next Camp Series stop in Baltimore. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Blair Angulo joined by Brian Doan, soccer correspondent and national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan247. Brian, it was Olawatosin Babalade. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how I, I pronounce it. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're on the same page there. Also from DeMatha, uh, they're in, in the, the state of Maryland, 6'5", 296, offensive tackle. As of this recording unrated right but now that we have seen him in person and you got a chance to really dissect his game in this camp uh what did you think of him and what made him the alpha yeah and and i think it's really i'm I'm glad you brought up the the rating stuff because i i know people won't believe this that we actually try to do our homework and 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 really delve into it and i had seen him during the season i had watched some of the tape but i had heard he grew and i didn't just want to slap a rating on him because he had some offers you know i knew what he was working on in his game from talking to the coach at the math of bill mcgregor and so i i waited and was patience you know that's what i'm all about i think but i wanted to wait and see him live and i knew he was going to be at this camp and so he walks in and you know i'm, I'm curious when he gets the measurements he said he'll, he'll get them to me so i can really see him but listen man he's legit six five he's got it looks to be plus length easily moved well when you're going and watching him in the drill or at least i'm watching him in the drills he's able to bend right and he's comfortable he's able to to slide when he's bending and he's in pass pro which is nice and he's a powerful kid again long arms so it's going to take him you know a little while to get the upper body strength moving but he's a powerful kid he's heavy-handed and he looked really good in the one-on-ones and he moved well laterally and kids tried to get inside on him and he was able to stop him he 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 was balanced. I came away really impressed with them. And, you know, again, for for the transparency of rankings, you know, right now I'm comfortable with an 88, which is what I, I put on him. And, and that should show up at some point this week. But he's also a kid that, you know, we're going to talk about when we really delve back into the 23 class in terms of four stars. And, you know, does he deserve that? And, and so we'll, we'll look at, at where he is. So, so I want to make sure we're good with that. And I, I think he's a kid that once some tape gets out on him from this camp, I, I think his recruitment's really going to take off. I mean, he's, he's got some offers. I mean, it's not like nobody knows about him. You know, he, he's been to North Carolina, Pittsburgh. He was at Rutgers the day before the camp. He's supposed to be at Boston College this coming up weekend. Virginia Tech just offered him on Monday morning coming out of the camp. Penn State has gotten in touch with the school to find out a little bit more about him. So I, I think he's a kid to really keep an eye on. And it's the value of these events. And, you know, listen, Blair, I... I I think you know by now, I am not an end-all, be-all shorts and t-shirt guy. I think what you do in full pads and, you know, if you're playing left tackle, when you have a, a guard next to you or maybe a tight end helping you, all that stuff factors into a rating and, and how you play. But what what I saw out of him in the camp in terms of the size, um, his ability to, to bend, his balance his footwork, you know, that's the kind of stuff that your base is. And now you go back and you, you watch his junior tape again and, and see what, see maybe things that maybe you missed and, and piece things together that way. But he, he was really, it was really fun to watch him really. Nobody knew who he was per se coming in. You know, none of the other kids were buzzing about it, but by the end, everybody was talking about the kind of day he had. 
from an evaluation standpoint, it's really important, I think, to match up tape with an in-person eval before a rating goes up, at least from a, re- a regional perspective, right? Our, right. our own analyst team. I-, I think I always feel uncomfortable rating him with only one dimension of that evaluation, right? Whether it's film or only the in-person, I, I always feel like we need both to accurately reflect what that rating would be. And and for Atosin Baba Lade, who, who you said is an 88, you know, some might say, oh, that's kind of low. But no, if you look at the explanations over at 24-7 Sports, an 87 through an 89 is a player that we consider to have significant NFL upside and an impact college football player. So even a high three-star, whether you know that's a, a Babalade or, or a different type of position, that, that grade is significant and it's a good one. So an initial 88 going in for Oluwatasin Babalade. Brian, before we go, the stage is yours, the floor. We, we've wiped it clean. We're going to let you hop on it and, and scream from the top of your lungs. Tell us what's going to happen here as the U.S. heads down to Costa Rica, not for a vacation, but hopefully to punch their tickets officially to Qatar. Well, let's put it this way. If they don't punch their ticket for the World Cup going down to Costa Rica, I would say it would turn into the biggest debacle maybe in sports history. All right. So a tired Costa Rica team who will be playing their third game in what is it? Seven days against the U.S. team with the last a lot more depth, has to win by six goals, right? To get through. Has to win by six goals. The U.S. has given up, what, 13 goals in 13 games or whatever it is, or 11 goals in 13 games. Um, You're saying there's a Blair, I think you could play goal and they would get through. And I know how athletic you are. I, I, you know, I, I understand that. But, I mean, listen, two things about it. This is where the U.S. should be. I mean, A, they should have qualified already, but that's beside the point. This is where they should be. And it's great to have them going back to the World Cup as long as you don't have some, I can't even imagine what it would take. I mean, the, the soccer Twitter would just probably melt if it didn't have, you know, if they didn't qualify somehow, which, you know, may be fun to watch, but I'm not hoping for that at all because, you know, it's one of the few teams I actually watch and root for. But this is where they should be, but they didn't make it last time. And so instead of taking it for granted, you know, you look at Italy, who is one of the best teams in the world when it comes to soccer, are missing the World Cup for the second straight time because they lost to North Macedonia. When 2026 rolls around, if Italy qualifies, it will be their first World Cup since 2012. So you don't want to take it for granted and you want to enjoy it. And then the draw on what groups they were in come Friday. So I want to enjoy that. But I also want to understand that there's a lot of really good young players on this U.S. team who have talent, who have creativity that you haven't seen before through the U.S., who can make something out of nothing. And I'm really eager to see them grow. They've got the last two World Cups they've been to, Blair, and I think you were at the one in Brazil. They got out of the group stage. And so we'll see what the group sets up as when it's announced on Friday. But the expectation remains that, yes, you're getting where you should be. It's still fun to qualify, always, right? You know, I think the Yankees still celebrate every year when they make the playoffs. But you want to continue to make that next step and, and push forward because. You know, people may not care right now, but in 2026, it's in the U.S. So the U.S. are already qualified for 2026 because the host nations, which is Canada and also Mexico, do not have to qualify. 
they're just put into the tournament, which will also, the next time the U.S. has to qualify, will be a 48-team tournament instead of 32, which is why I said earlier in it that I should have gone to the one in Orlando because they may never have something like that again. Um, but I'm, I'm happy with where they're at. I still don't love the manager, but at the end of the day, his job is to get them to the World Cup. No matter how you get there, the job is to get them to the World Cup. And so if he gets them to the World Cup, then okay, job done and good job. And we'll move forward and understand anything could happen in group play. But it's for me, it's a it's an exciting time because it stunk not watching the U.S. in the World Cup last time. It, it just it didn't have that edge that I like having in the World Cup. And you're going to have to wait until November to to see the U.S. in that World Cup this year. And my claim to fame, Brian, is is soon to end. I, I was actually at the last World Cup game that the U.S. won. So- Oh, the one I thought you were going to tell me the Belgium game where they brought in Chris Wondolowski when, if I remember right, wasn't Belgium bringing in Lukaku to score? Yeah, it's just a little bit different, <laughs> a little different skill sets there. And one, and with that all said, he Wondolowski missed a freaking chippy from like the six yards out that could have that's, tied it late. That's the game. Tim but, Howard went crazy. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, but if I'm so, it was in Brazil. It was that Portugal that they beat? Was it Portugal they beat 5-4? Nope, Did they come back? They tied well. it. So it was yep. Ghana. Did they beat Ghana? It was, it was the Ghana, the Brooks, the Brooks header. Right. The Brooks header, Ghana. Brooks heads it in, what, about the 78th minute. Then there was a there was an early goal yes. from uh from the te- who's the Texan? Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey had a it was really it was like a minute goal. in or two minutes in. Correct. Correct. And so then it gets tied. Brooks scores. The next game, they're up against Portugal pretty much at the death. Michael Bradley turns the ball over in his own end. Portugal comes down and scores to tie it. And then I believe Ghana beats Portugal in the last game while the U.S. is losing to Germany at the last game of the group. Correct. And people said I'm old and I can't remember stuff. Hey. That's why we call you our soccer correspondent, <laughs> Mr. Brian Doan. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, and uh, like I said, you, and like I've said this before, make sure you follow Brian over on Twitter during uh, these big U.S. qualifiers and heading into the World Cup this month or this later this year. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for and thanks to the two people that stayed for the end for the soccer talk. <laughs> my yeah, your mom and my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, like my mom knows how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> All right, Brian Doan for our producer Lance Glenn. I am Larry Gulo. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Twenty Four Seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Hello? is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You did. Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.